Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi. How is everyone this fine quarantine evening? Stir crazy. Lonely. <laughs> Lonely. <laughs> There's well, two we have, types of people. Right? <laughs> well, we have something that should hopefully lift everyone's spirits. Yes. Today, we have the lovely Jennifer from Haunted Happenstance. Yay! Welcome. I have to be honest. The only reason you're on here is because I love Sophie so much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, ladies. <laughs> We're, we're pretty big fans of you, too, if we're going to be 100% you know, honest. You know, I, I am not even offended by that. I, You know, she can get me places that I can't get myself, so I will take it. We understand. We have people that constantly ask for updates on our critters, too, so we get it. I mean, Sophie is way more worth it, I promise. Right? We need you to be specific. Yeah. All right, so Jennifer, do you want to tell us a little bit about your show? Oh, if I must. So I host a semi-autobiographical audio drama. It's called Haunted Happenstance, and it's a collection of creepy and quirky ghost stories. They're all set in this historic residence where I live in Boston, and we follow the stories along with some of my neighbors as they navigate some spooky things that are a little too eerie to be called coincidence, so we classify them as Haunted Happenstance. It's amazing. It's really cool, yeah. you guys. Oh, thanks. Yeah, if you, you haven't already, well, I would be shocked if you haven't, but definitely uh, check into that one. Yeah, there will be links to her show in the show in the little description and in the blog post this week. But without further ado, Jennifer, what do you have for us this week? So tonight, I thought it might be fitting for me to tell you a Boston ghost story. And better yet, it's got a little bit of a Georgia tie-in. So I thought you ladies might appreciate that. It also is a little Civil War era. So I don't want to break out the Yankee versus Rebel action, but (laughs) we're we're going to go there. (laughs) But But if we have to, we can. Exactly. We can try not to. (laughs) Sorry. Meanwhile, I'm over here thinking, is there any ghost in Georgia that's not tied? to the Civil War? You're going to find out, right? (laughs) True. (laughs) We'll learn about them eventually if there are. (laughs) So I grew up here in Massachusetts, and I've always had a penchant for ghost stories. So I heard the story of the lady in black pretty early in life. And I've heard her story told and retold throughout the years. And like I said, I felt like it was a pretty good fit. So here goes. (laughs) I'm so excited. All right. In June 1861, a young Confederate soldier named Andrew Lanier was called to war. But before setting off, he asked for a brief leave in order to propose to his beloved Melanie. He was granted the time and he galloped off to Crawfordville, Georgia. No idea where that is, guys. So (laughs) if you do. (laughs) I don't know that one either. It must be a small town. (laughs) Or maybe it doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) And that too. I think it does. I hope so. And I apologize to all the folks of Crawfordville that I just just minimized. The fine Crawford villains. Villains? Villains. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I bet. So he asked her to be his bride. They were married and they spent a very lovely 48 hour honeymoon together before he had to. I know. (laughs) We'll we'll figure out what they did. (laughs) Uh Before he had to set back off to battle. But as the lovebirds parted ways, the two sang and hummed what they decided would become their song, Drink to Me Only With Thine Eyes. And I had no idea what that song was either. 
And it turns out Johnny Cash did a pretty fabulously famous rendition. So check that out if you want to. Yes. That down. Not right now, Tiff. (laughs) No, I'm just typing it out so I don't forget it. She's oh, like, we'll repeat can it. We pause for just a second, so I can. <laughs> it's um, it's a dark song, but you oh. know, whatever. <laughs> so Andrew's off to war. Unfortunately, after just a month or so, he's knocked unconscious during a fight, and he was captured by the evil Union soldier. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. <laughs> so he, along with scores of other Confederate soldiers, were shipped north for imprisonment at Fort Warren, which was known less officially as the Corridor of Dungeons. Ooh. Oh, that's only slightly intimidating. I know. I mean, where else would you want to spend <laughs> your time as a war prisoner? That sounds like a drag name. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's going to get even closer. Oh. <laughs> So Fort Warren sits on George's Island, which is in Boston Harbor. It's about seven miles from Boston proper, so you can see it from the mainland. And the vo- the fort the fort was built just prior to the Civil War as a means to protect the city, and it served both as a training camp as well as a prisoner of war site. And it was in active military use all the way through World War II. It was officially decommissioned in 1947. And it was later recognized on the National Register of Historic Places and opened to the public as a park in 1970. So, you know, if you get nothing else to do on a sunny day. I am down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to go to Boston first. Yes. And then you also have to get on a ferry, but it's worth it. So the fort itself is actually pretty impressive. It's a pentagon shape and it sits atop this hill on the island. It's forged completely out of these large granite stones and they form these arches and walls. And having visited it a few times, even a century out of its glory days, it's pretty obvious why it might have been nicknamed the Corridor of Dungeons. There are several long passes that are formed beneath and within the fort. Most of them are lined with those large stone blocks. Some are brick. Some are even like the exposed earth, and it's really easy to get lost in the dark and interconnected tunnels. Yep. No, thank you. I'm going to I'm gonna sit out on that one. Fascinating and terrifying. Oh, it gets better. So another interesting, <laughs> another interesting feature about the fort is along the main entrance passage, there are these small nooks carved into the sidewalls, and they were called murder holes. No. Because, I know, sounds great. <laughs> like, sign me up for that show. <laughs> so inviting. Breakfast nooks, murder holes. What else do you need? (laughs) Um, So in case the fort was ever invaded, these were situated to trap anyone storming through that main corridor. And they had wire like trap doors that would fall down over the cutouts. And those cutouts extended out and over the captain's quarters. So at that point, any officer could shoot directly at whoever was trapped in the murder hole above them. So... (laughs) I can't imagine why it has a dark history <laughs> by, right. by any means. <laughs> but also, that's kind of genius. Oh, it's very I mean, smart. Horrifyingly amazing, right? Like, yeah. really tricky. Yes. And we're talking 1800s. Like, good right. for them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Kudos, military men. Good job, Boston. <laughs> So shortly after Andrew is imprisoned at Fort Warren with many other soldiers, he sends a letter to his wife informing her of this horrible news, lamenting about the terrible conditions, and of course, fearing he would never see her again. Like, aw, poor Andrew. So like any plucky Southern belle would do, Melanie decides she's going to trek on up here and free her husband from the prison. Get it, girl. I love her. Right? Let's do this. Get it, girl. So <laughs> she allegedly sneaks into town. She finds herself a pickaxe and a pistol. Essentials. 
right? <laughs> a change of men's clothing, you know, 1861, and she cuts off all her hair. She pays passage on a vessel runner ship and sets sail for Hull, Massachusetts, where she has already arranged to be housed by a Confederate sympathizer there. Wow. You go, girl. She's got she's got this figured out. She's resourceful. <laughs> As you can imagine, it takes several months at sea before she arrives here in Hull. And Hull is a shore town just north of Boston, but due to its geography, it extends out into the harbor and is actually only a mile from the shores of George's Island. So it's physically much closer than Boston proper is. And so from there, she spends weeks standing on the shore of her host's home and she studies the tides. She watches the routines and the protocols of the guards. She has this telescope and she is plotting her approach, like I said, for weeks. This girl. Here's where history may lead us astray. So depending on the account, once she is ready, Melanie either swims or is brought by a rowboat close to the island. And honestly, both of these seem really far-fetched. I know I said it was only a mile, but the currents of the harbor are super strong and change all the time. And several men who had tried to escape from the fort, they lost their lives, whether they were swimming or in a boat. So regardless, in our story, Melanie, <laughs> in her badassness, <laughs> makes it to the island. Yeah, but they weren't like a determined southern bale, so. <laughs> I, I was going to say, her husband's life was at stake, so move over, currents. <laughs> not today, Ty. Not today. <laughs> So now, using all this intel that she's collected from her constant spying, she knows how much time she has to move between the Sentinels and the guards. And with all of herself, she finally finds herself below what she hopes is one of the tunnels where those prisoners are being kept. So to subtly announce her arrival, she begins to whistle the aforementioned, drink to me only with thine eyes. I got chills. Why did I get chills? (laughs) Because she's in your house. I don't like you right now. (laughs) But when she hears nothing in return, she is like understandably heartbroken. She instantly fears that maybe this was a foolish plan. (laughs) Now. (laughs) It's just now dawned on her. This may be flawed. (laughs) So she's Tiffany. (laughs) Brave the currents. No idea what to do when she gets there. But he didn't whistle back. All is porn. Can't deny it. (laughs) It's okay because Melanie tries one more time and she hears the whistle (gasps) echo back. Yes. Better better yet. (laughs) Soon some twisted bed linens are lowered down to where she is. And with the help of some of the prisoners, she is hoisted up. And due to her slight frame, she's able to wiggle in between those bars of the holding cells. And she is with the prisoners of war in their dungeon. doesn't sound terrifying at all. Yes. Oh, reunited. Reunited is right. And it feels so good. And like all dungeon romance reunion scenes, her husband instantly recognizes her and brings her in for a loving embrace. You know, despite the cut hair and the man's clothing, it's, of course, his lovely Melanie. And the swimming through the tide and crawling through caverns. It's fine. We have tides in Georgia. <laughs> Their hearts recognize right? each other. Right? She knows. That's what matters. They're in Boston. So as excited as I'm sure they are all to see her there, they're probably even more excited to see that she has that pickaxe and a pistol with her. Oh, I thought you were just going to say that she's got that good that they've been without for so long. <laughs> I was going to leave that up to the listener's interpretation. I mean. But yeah. 
I, it's been a few months in the right? prisoner of war camp, you know? So, Rebecca, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this is another day in the life of me. It's fine. <laughs> but what we didn't know is that in some Civil War version of Shawshank Redemption, these Confederate soldiers have already been slowly digging a small tunnel out from under where they're being held in the hopes of breaking out beneath the guard wall and out beyond the exterior of the fort. Also resourceful, these guys. So every night, they would use their hands or rocks, and they would be digging through, you know, through the ground and keeping some people to watch guard for any of the, you know, the guards that would come. So again, like Shawshank Redemption, they would take they would take small fistfuls of hand, of like small fistfuls of dirt and put that out the windows and put that wherever they could carefully sneak it away because they needed to discreetly dispose of any evidence that, you know, they were actually digging this tunnel. But now they have Melanie and her trusty tools and weapons. So they revamp their plan and they devise a new approach that involves both the tunnel route, but also an attack on the guards as a surprise. So the guards didn't notice an extra prisoner? You know, this is a ghost story. So let's just let's just <laughs> let's presume that they were really we're good. Logic. Yeah, there's Understand. a lot of logic lost thus far. So maybe, <laughs> maybe. Look, they just hit her. She just ducked down behind everybody else when they came to do head count. Like I said, sleight of frame was the term often used. So maybe she could just you know right. sneak between some other guys and hide behind <laughs> piles of dirt. You know. Crafty Southern Just Belle. Just turned behind a pole and she disappeared. <laughs> she was never there. <laughs> With true love, all things are possible, Ashley. Oh, yeah, right. True love's kiss. He just kisses her and she disappears for 30 seconds as hard walks by. <laughs> Is that, that how that works? <laughs> I asked Walt Disney. That would make a really different story. I should have incorporated that. <laughs> you forgot to mention she was uh, a witch. I know, right? Later on, later on. Um, later on. But one night, as they're nearing the end of their digging, they made a little bit of a miscalculation. And they hit the foundation of the bastion wall with that pickaxe. Uh-oh. Exactly. The sentry on duty hears the noise and immediately sounds the alarm. So within seconds, the sergeants and commanders at the fort are charging the tunnels and rounding up all of the soldiers and then bringing them out into the courtyard for a head count. See where this is going? (laughs) Oh, okay. I questioned too soon. My apologies. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Forward thinking. I like it. So, however, seeing that they were one prisoner short, the commander demanded that they search further. And eventually, Andrew Lanier was led out from the tunnels, followed by his wife. As the guards move to put Lanier in line with his fellow prisoners, Melanie takes it as her last chance to save them all. And she aims her pistol at the commander. As she pulled the trigger, the gun misfires and shoots and kills her husband instead. Melanie, okay. Bless your heart. (laughs) I know. Hold on, Tiff, are you good? No. And now I'm a Southern sympathizer here. (laughs) She's a Confederate sympathizer. (laughs) I didn't think I'd ever be one. I'm going to get kicked out of Austin. So as if that wasn't devastating enough, she's forced to watch them bury her husband unceremoniously without a marker, and then she herself is sentenced to death, set to hang the next day for her crimes as a spy. And, you know, Jess in all of these stories from the olden days, she's given one last wish before her execution. (laughs) She's a genie, too. (laughs) Right? Because that's how that goes. (laughs) Well, her last wish is that she be given a dress to wear because she would not like to die in her shabby stolen men's clothings. But 
Since the fort doesn't have any women living in residence, the only thing they have to offer her is a gown-like black robe that they have. And so that becomes her funeral attire. After her death, she's buried alongside her husband on the island, and it's unclear whether their bodies were later moved to another location or not. It's sweet that they got to be buried together, though. I know. They were interred together, if nothing else, right? As you may have guessed, though, that's not the last time the Lady in Black would be seen at Fort Warren. Um, the ghostly legends state that even in the days that followed her hanging, the guards on duty would see her walking along where her gallows had once stood. Others saw small footprints in the snow with no known source, and as though they had been formed by a lady's small slipper. One private, Richard Cassidy, he was patrolling the fort at night when he felt hands slip around his neck and then begin to tighten. He turned and found himself face to face with the lady in black herself. Oh, no. He was so petrified from the experience that he refused to return to his post the next night. And in addition to kind of being the laughing stock of the fort, his insubordination also cost him a month in lockup. No, because they can just come after you and right? you're by yourself. <laughs> Worth it. Ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he did not think that through. <laughs> Neither did I. So stories like that continue through the decades and literally through the century that followed. And during World War II even, a sentry who had been stationed to patrol where her gallows had once been erected, he mysteriously collapsed into a fit of hysterics. And after being examined by the fort's doctor, he was actually sent to a psychiatric facility where he stayed for decades. And one captain, Captain Charles Norris, he had been stationed on Fort Warren during his active duty days. And he claimed to be so affected by the Lady in Black that she continued to haunt him even when he oh. moved back home to his family estate in Maryland for retirement. Don't like that. He, <laughs> I know. He said he would feel her tap him on the shoulder while he was reading alone in his library. And he even claimed that she once answered the telephone when the operator rang his home. <laughs> oh, she intercepted that call. <laughs> she has moving with technology. I mean, she's, right? she's got some skills. Tiffany has yeah. so many new fears. <laughs> There's no, normally when there are ghost stories Aww. Ashley's here to hug me and tell me it's okay <laughs> quick get a cat get a cat I have my black Not cat Yuna. sitting next to me are you at the in black reincarnated moose <laughs> ooh it could be her familiar I like it I, I've already claimed him sorry she can't mm. have him back <laughs> Back at the fort, her voice is often heard through the corridors, and many guards have even discharged their weapons when they see her spirit trolling around the grounds. And those experiences don't end with the military, because even in the last 40 years since the fort has been open to the public, police, coast guards, professors from local colleges, and just visitors from everywhere, they all recount these similarly really creepy encounters with Fort Warren's Lady in Black. So... As I mentioned, I visited on a couple occasions. Um, once when I once when I was super little, and I will admit that it was scary then. But it was scary because it was old. And let's be honest, when you're little, everything old is scary. Right? Well, and the caves and the caverns <laughs> sounds like a spooky place anyway. Yeah, so fair. I should I should be fair in describing it nowadays. So obviously, the fort is decommissioned. It's you know kind of been left to you know, let time do its thing. And there is a lot of like green open space. And now it's it's literally a day trip destination. So it's not just doom and gloom when you go there. In fact, I bet many people are very 
comfortable forgetting that it was like obviously a war <laughs> fort and they're just they're just there to play volleyball <laughs> and like <laughs> watch the ships go by um so like i said i went once when i was little i went also a couple times as an adult and probably most recently like six or seven years ago and although i can't say i saw the lady in black during any of my trips i will absolutely say it is a very eerie place and it has this heaviness that you just kind of associate with these deep emotional historical sites and you can walk through a lot of those corridors that are still there and it's oppressive and creepy those are the (laughs) nicest words i can use but it's really really cold inside and drafty and they're open they're open to the outside and and i went in august so (laughs) i know boston isn't that hot but (laughs) boston and boston in august can still get a little warm so um it's something more than just you know hey i'm in a tunnel and it's cold there's definitely a a creepy vibe. Of course, there's probably one more reason why I never saw the Lady in Black. And it seems that most historians agree that the story couldn't be based on fact. And that's for several reasons. In addition to the water currents, like I mentioned, there's no evidence that a prisoner by the name of Andrew Lanier was ever held there. There is no court or death records. And there's not even any news accounts of a woman being hanged as a spy. As you guys can imagine, like that would have been pretty big news at the time, right? Yeah. So it's it seems unlikely that it slipped away from the newspapers or history lessons from the day. Yeah. But perhaps the biggest tell that it might be folklore instead of a true account is that the story of the Lady in Black was first made popular in the 1940s when she was included in a collection by author Edward Rowe Snow. And in fact, he starts his story off with a disclaimer, and I quote, I herewith offer the reader the legend without the slightest guarantee that any part of it is true. So there's that. (laughs) Just a minor ding. Uh, I mean, that's a slight ding on the credibility, but I wouldn't say total ding. (laughs) I'm glad you said that. Because, so here's my take, and you guys are welcome and encouraged to disagree, but (laughs) I feel like this opens up like a huge question for ghost stories in general, right? Like, what inspired what? So, did the author hear the legends of the Lady in Black, and he just wrote a story to make up this, like, epic background for her? Or did so many people hear and read his story that now they just experience things that kind of mimic the description? Um, Hmm. And I think it disappoints a lot of people, right? But to me, I feel like it's part of the intrigue of what makes a good story. (laughs) I don't know. Call me crazy. <laughs> I appreciate that that happens sometimes because um, I am a firm believer in ghosts, but I like to pretend they don't exist. For your own sanity. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Tiffany needs. So uh, I like the idea of so many people reading the story that it just becomes the legend. It makes me sleep sound at night. But let's be honest. It's like a classic classic story. I mean, we've got war and love and adventure and spies and tragedy and ghosts <laughs> like it's it's amazing right right i'm gonna make that movie <laughs> yes please we can be your southern bells <laughs> <laughs> we will have three melanies cast. it will be perfect <laughs> we'll have alternates i can't deny a fierce southern bell yeah with our big old hoop skirts. you guys will have to vote perfect. who has to swim to the island though because we can just be those 
three Southern Bells that's in the background <laughs> of like every movie set in the South. But yeah, so that's my my Boston ghost story for you guys. Like I said, um, and honestly, I will tell you this, I'm a, like minor embarrassed to admit this, that it wasn't until I started researching the story for, for y'all that I realized it might not be true. <laughs> I had just been led to believe my entire life that it was. I had never heard about this author who wrote about it in the story. So yeah, there was this moment where I was like, oh man. look at you you're debunking it for people all around the world now i know and all around the world that's where our listeners yeah that's fair (laughs) well now they are (laughs) but honestly and most of the sources that i and i use sources very lightly there but most of the places that reference the story do not make any mention of the fact that oh yeah we think it's we think it's fake oh no (laughs) we don't think no no no. there was like one person who's like oh by the way dummies (laughs) this is probably not this is probably not legit just a fyi but no i think that's fascinating and i i probably would believe that it's real even with the the author but i like to pretend that everything's fake and in like in the defense of it being (laughs) real um there some of those accounts were from before he wrote the story so you know a lot of the accounts were from the 1800s and he wrote that story in 1940 so you know take away from it what you will i'm not here to convince or (laughs) convince anybody well in A place like that, if you believe in the paranormal, you have to accept that there's going to be some sort of paranormal activity. Right, so it's the history for sure. So sure that there are paranormal accounts from before the story came out, whether it was of her or one of the soldiers or whoever. Oh, there has to be. But it probably just got misconstrued when everyone heard that story, and they were like, "Oh yeah, right." They're going to retrofit it to whatever situation they had, right. you know, for sure. But, and I mean, as much as I love a good ghost story, obviously, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a scientist, you know, by day. And so I love a good debunking story almost as much as I like a good ghost story. So I, like I said, it was with a tiny heavy heart that I realized one that I had like held on to my whole life was in fact, probably <laughs> fake. <laughs> but I'd, I'd rather the yeah. truth be known. <laughs> oh, Right? Perfect tie. Yeah. Thanks. No, I thought you guys, I hoped you would enjoy it. I'm glad that you did. It was awesome. <laughs> we did. shared it. Well, that was fascinating. I really like that you found a uh, Georgia and Boston one. I'm <laughs> Right? Arms aren't in the armpits yet. She's okay. <laughs> I was warned that this would freak her out. So now I feel a little guilty. <laughs> it was awesome. Yes. I am uh, only slightly uncomfortable being I only in see one leg <laughs> up in your chair. So you're mostly good. <laughs> That's like 8%. You're good. No, that's why I was excited. I'm like, you're doing a paranormal story? Yes, please. Right? perfect. <laughs> once, you, once you started going into the debunking, she started like loosening up a little no, bit. So we're good. <laughs> I, would, I didn't expect anything else. No, the, the more uncomfortable I get, the more of a ball I form. So I've only got one leg up. We're good. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is that I shouldn't tell her any of the ghost stories that I think are legit from my own building is, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tell us all of them, please. No. We would love to hear all of them. Um, I will need you to tell me when Ashley and Rebecca are in the house. With <laughs> and if they're can... from her building, you'll be fine. I mean, I I'm know. here. I'm safe. I'll put batteries in the oomph. We'll know when they're coming. <laughs> I have a pretty good rapport with them. So, That's you know, it. I think we're all safe. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most important part. But I do get a lot of questions about my show and everyone's like, is it real? How many of the stories are real? Is it really haunted? You know, and so... 
I prefaced when we first started chatting that it was semi-autobiographical, and that's accurate. <laughs> so a lot of the experiences that I, I narrate or I like weave into the story happen. They may not have happened to the characters that you know I, I have it happened to, and I have to add a good bit of fictional right. flair to make it a good story. But having said that, like there's a lot of spooky stuff that oh happens here that I cannot explain, even with my my super debunking skills. That's really cool. <laughs> She's real uncomfortable again. I'm not crying. <laughs> after I after I apologize. No, it's fine, honey. It's perfectly fine. I think I find that stuff fascinating. And I've had some ghost experiences as well. I just I pretend they're not real. So it's fine. I live in denial. If it's a happy denial, that's all I can wish for you. So it's a very happy perfect. denial. I have been told many times that I live in my own world, but what that's is okay. the what is the quote? I live in my own world, but it's okay. They know me here. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's Tiffany in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I feel I'm, I'm really excited. I'm glad I get to share a little half spooky tale, <laughs> if nothing else. Oh, honey, thank you so much for joining us. We thoroughly enjoyed this. It was Tiffany's face. She's still uncomfortable and I love it. No, that was. <laughs> I can see it in her face. She's like, can we just end this, please? No, it's fine. She's like, that was great. Okay, I'm done. It is perfectly fine. No, I got a little spooked because the air kicked on whenever oh. I started talking. And the the drapery behind us was like swaying. And I saw that behind you. And I'm like, I'm not going to be that person who tells her I saw motion like, in our camera. No, yeah, no, I will not. remind you that I don't believe in coincidence. So. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, my God. Whoever's listening, ghost. <laughs> oh that's fantastic well before we head out jennifer would you like to let us know um we've talked a little bit about your show but where they can find you the best place to listen or places rather i was saying place best places oh. i misspoke and said the best place they can only listen in one place but would it be- <laughs> <laughs> obviously here in the loft <laughs> for the real version yes <laughs> Um, we're on iTunes or on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places that I'm probably already forgetting, Podbean. So yeah, we're on Libsyn. That's our host. You guys can find us pretty much anywhere that you're listening to your podcasts. And that's Sophie. You guys didn't hear. Sophie. She's like, yes, come listen. Come listen. The ghosts are fun. (laughs) She was just talking to one of them. I want to have to put a credit for her. Yes. In the notes. Featuring. Rebecca, Ashley, <laughs> Tiffany, Sophie, Jennifer, Tiffany, Sophie. Rebecca. Put Sophie first. List Sophie first. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. This was a blast. <laughs> yes, thank you, honey. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, remember, friends, something that they find odd. Oh, why in this instance, we could told you why it's not. She debunked it. <laughs> hey. <laughs> You're welcome, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> You want to know something funny? I just realized I don't have a whiteboard and I'm completely blanking on my line. If you have any questionable... If you have... You got it. You got it. If you have any... I was just looking at that. Would you like uh, me to do how it? How am I in charge of things? <laughs> um, if you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on our website, theladiesestrange.com. And like I said at the beginning of the episode... There will be a, inside the blog post will be links to Jen's show and the places you can find it. We also have an email address, the at gmail.com that you can send your suggestions to 
if you want to. I don't remember the actual line because it's not in front of me. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the ladies of strange. Keep it strange, lovelies. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye, guys.